So today we're continuing Tanya meditations. Last week we, we did a meditation based on chapter 46 of Tanya. That was really a part one because chapter 47 is based on the same principle, it's the same template, if you will, the same formula or structure, but it's zoomed in a little bit more. Just to review, what did we do last week? So chapter 46 was a love meditation that we said was particularly accessible even to people or maybe even especially to people on a low spiritual level. And he explained why that is. He said, because there's a concept of reciprocity. If you remember, this is based on Shlomo Melech and King Solomon's wisdom, where he says that, um, just like water reflects a face to a face, so does a heart reflect to a heart. And he said, basically, there's this concept of reciprocity that people mirror back the emotional energy that's coming at them. Boom, boom. He said that's true when two people are of, are of the same level, it'll happen automatically. But if they are on two different levels, then that will amplify it so that the person who's on a lower level will feel an even more intense love reciprocated back to the one who loves him. So then we told a little parable about the guy in the garbage hill. Remember the guy in the garbage hill? Mm -hmm. yeah. He was the low man on the totem pole. He was the what was he called? The, the Ish Shuffle Venivze. He was lowly and despised. He had, didn't have a friend in the world. And I said, don't feel too bad. It's just a parable. It's not a real guy. But he was living on a garbage heap. And... Um, well, we can compare that to us in Mitzrayim. Well, hold on a second. Okay, all right. You're, you're correct. All right, and one day the king came down with his entourage and came straight down to the garbage heap and he picked the guy up and he said, come back to the palace with me and he brought him into the palace and they brought him into the VIP area and then he brought him into the innermost chamber where nobody goes but the king himself and he hugged him and he kissed him. <coughs> and we said, well, what is that? What's that story? We said, well, that's actually our story of the Exodus, that we were the garbage heap guy. We were in, in Mitzrayim, we were not just subjected to the back-breaking labor, but we had fallen to an extremely low spiritual level. And Hashem himself came, not through a, an emissary, but himself, and took us out of that terrible situation. And not only, not only took us out of there, but where did he bring us to? He brought us to Har Sinai, to the Revelation at Sinai, and there revealed to us the Torah, which is likened to kisses and hugs, that when we learn, learn Hashem's Torah, so we're channeling Hashem's words of anthropomorphically, metaphorically speaking, Hashem's mouth, through our mouth, which is the mouth to mouth, that's the kisses, and the mitzvahs are the body to body, where our body stands instead of the divine will and channels what Hashem, Hashem's desires would become like an extension, so to speak, or an embodiment of Hashem's will. So that's the body to body, that's called the chibuk, called the hug. So at any rate, the meditation is thinking about what a low situation we were in, in Mitzrayim, and how Hashem, in that state, focused His love upon us and brought us to this place of intimate bonding with Him. And that if we just reflect on the love that Hashem showed us, then automatically, kamayim uponim uponim, that reciprocal reflection, that mirror of the heart will kick in, and we will feel love toward Hashem, which is our goal. We're trying to get ourselves to feel love for Hashem. Okay, so that was last week. Yeah, so far so good? Okay, all right. Now, 
chapter 47 starts with a question, with a question that if anyone in this class would ask it, I would be like, please don't make trouble. But the Al-Tarebbe himself asks this question. He doesn't ask it explicitly, but it is the implicit jumping off point of the beginning of the chapter. It's 47? Yeah, 47. And that is, being that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the Exodus, took place 3,300 some odd years ago. It is something that happened a long time ago and we don't necessarily have individual memories of that event, although we have collective stories that we tell and we every year we get together at the Pesach Seder and we retell it. It is a little bit hard to feel that love. Like I said, if somebody in this class would ask, that would be like, don't make trouble. Come on, it's okay. Don't worry about it. But the Alter Rebbe raises the question. You're saying we have Alter Rebbe material in this class. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you anticipate the questions. Yeah. Sometimes you anticipate the distractions. And that's my job to try to make the judgment call. What's a what will lead to incredible breakthroughs and what will lead to a total detour. Okay, but most of the time everybody's right on point. Okay, in this class. This is a very advanced class, like I've said before. Although every time I say it, people think I'm being funny. It's actually, I'm not being funny. It is a very advanced class. Anyone who's new should know that, by the way. This, And also you should know that it's an advanced class, but it's not like any of the people here had special training before they came here. They're just very serious, and that's just what happened. It, where it, we, yeah, it's a very, it's very high level. Okay. Anyway, but anyone who's here who's new, you'll you'll be on the high level also very soon if you just <laughs> keep with it. So, what are we supposed to do about this? That the the Exodus is this. I don't want to call it ancient history. That sounds very, very coarse and crass in light of the fact that we as Jews are constantly re-remembering it and recalling it, and not just on Pesach, but literally every day, and in the Shema twice a day, we, we recall the Exodus. Okay, so, um, but still, it, 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 is, it is a challenge. So, the Alter Rebbe says like this. Here's how the chapter starts. And then we'll get into the meditation. In every generation. And in fact, in, on every single day. Now that's the Alter Rebbe's addition because is actually part of the Haggadah. But the Alter Rebbe adds not just in every generation, but on a daily basis, on every single day. A person is obligated to view himself as if he went out from Mitzrayim today. In other words, do not come and tell me that this meditation is challenging because it's forcing you to contemplate something that is ancient history. Because I will counter and tell you that it is not ancient history, it is the present you are obligated to see yourself as if you are being taken out of Egypt today. Okay, great. So, 
now I'm feeling guilty because I'm supposed to feel like I went out of Egypt today. So not only is my meditation, uh, not only am I struggling with the med meditation because the meditation works based on how much love I feel based on being taken out of Mitzrayim today, but now I feel guilty that I don't feel like I'm being taken out of Mitzrayim today. All right, don't worry, we're going to help you with that. He's going to explain to you how to, what does that mean you were taken out of Mitzrayim? I've never been to Mitzrayim. Like, how can I be taken out of Mitzrayim? I've never even been to Mitzrayim. So he's going to explain to you how to understand and feel a connection to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim as a present um, event. And then obviously we'll be able to go back and meditate on it, feel the love that Hashem is showing us, and then automatically get that reciprocal mechanism triggered and then feel love back to Hashem. Everybody gets the context? Okay? All right. Context is everything. It's very important to understand why we're talking about any of this, okay? Let me just make sure that people are not lost because there are a lot of issues here, okay? Why are we going to speak about um, uh, the Exodus as a present event? What's the purpose? Why do we need to do that? We have to feel like we're going out of the Understand today. and experience. Yeah, why? Why do we need to feel like it's happening right now? To generate love, to feel love. To generate love of Hashem. How's that going to work? It took you out of the garbage heap. Right, exactly. So we're making the garbage heap story from the previous chapter the story right now, not just a parable about a historical event. Even though he put us in the garbage heap. Yes, he put us in the garbage heap. Yes, that's right. <laughs> what? Which class addresses the fact that he put us in the garbage heap? Which class addresses that he put us in the garbage heap? Well. And just like he takes us out every day, he puts us in every day. Yes, that's true. And... If you understand what the daily Egypt and Exodus from Egypt is, you know what? Let's talk about that when we understand what is the daily Exodus and what is the daily Egypt. And then let's talk about Hashem putting us back in Egypt every single day and only to take us out of it every single day. Well, but let's find out what those things even are. All right. The he yitzias nefeshu alakis memaisaraguf mashka dechivya. The exodus means, the present exodus means, the exodus of the godly soul from captivity in the body, which is referred to as the serpent's skin. And I told you my story about when I was three years old and I found a snake skin, and it scared me. I already told you that last time we used that term. Yeah. To be taken out of the situation and to go up and be subsumed within the light of the infinite through learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, especially through receiving Hashem's kingship when you say Shema. Because in Shema, you specifically receive Hashem's kingship upon you personally when you say, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. So what is, what is he saying here? He's saying that the Egypt that we're in right now is... The physical body. Physical body. Captivity in the body. 
Who is embodiment? Who is the captive? The souls, but the godly soul. Okay. What is the way out? Unfettered access to Hashem. Torah mitzvahs. Okay. Okay. I want to be very, very clear what we're talking about. Torah mitzvahs. So when we're learning Torah and we're doing mitzvahs, and he said especially when you're saying Shema, which, which is also a mitzvah, at that moment you are not limited by the body. In fact, if anything, you could argue that the body becomes the tool for this connection to Hashem. So not only is it not a problem, it's part of the solution. So we're describing the Exodus now as the ability to transcend the problems of the souls being in a body, being limited by being in a body, which is definitely a problem for the soul. It is limiting for the soul. You could even perhaps describe it as traumatizing for the soul. I think that's actually, not only you could say it, I think you should say it. It's, it's it, For the soul to be ripped out of heaven and to be plunged into a physical body is traumatizing. And yet, there is a way for the soul to, to transcend that situation. And we call that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. We call that the Exodus. So that's not just happening on a daily basis. That could happen many times a day. That's happening minute to minute, depending on our choices, depending on how we, we choose to use our embodiment at this moment. It's a very short chapter. Let's continue. When we say Alekeinu in Shema, Hashem is our God, our is the possessive pronoun, our God. That's no different than when we say Alekei Avraham, the God of Abraham. Meaning to say that Abraham, we call God, the God of Abraham, because Abraham was so surrendered to God. Well, when we say Alekeinu, our God, we're saying the same things about ourselves. That we can, we can also be surrendered. Yes, the problem is that we can go, we can flip-flop, we can go back to, can take our ego back, but there are moments where we are surrendered to Hashem, just like Abraham was. The only difference is, Avram earned it. He had that access because he worked for it. Like it says, Avram, before he was Avraham, he was Avram, traveled south, which means to Chesed, which is love. But us, we didn't earn it. It's an inheritance and it's a gift to us. Hashem gave us his Torah. And in his Torah, he invested his will and wisdom. 
and his will and wisdom are totally united with him. And therefore it is this, it is as if he gave us himself in giving us the Torah. Like the Zayar says on the verse, is the fundraising campaign for building the Mishkan. Take for me Truma. Truma means a donation. Deli climber icy. But the Zayar says it's like saying, take me, Truma. Not take for me, like indirect object, but take me, direct object. Hashem is telling us, this is how you take me. Utruma. In other words, take me and Truma. Just like you're taking these uh, donations, the gold and silver, the copper, whatever it is you're donating. Um, you are taking me, so to speak. But why does it why does it say truma? Take me truma because of the one thing that when you're doing the mitzvah of taking truma, you're also doing this act of quote unquote taking God. You should look there in the Zohar very very clearly or very carefully. This is what it means when we say, and Hashem gave us. In love, really, we're saying, and he gave, Hashem gave us himself in love. With love, Hashem gave us, meaning he gave us himself. Because in the light of your face, you gave us Hashem, not Hashem as the subject of that sentence, but as the object. You, Hashem, gave us Hashem, you, Hashem, gave us yourself. So what are we saying here? We're saying that the fact that we're in bodies is challenging for the soul. Yes, that's true. We're acknowledging that. That's our Mitzrayim. That is our personal Mitzrayim. But the fact that Hashem gave us the Torah, and make, make no mistake, it's not something that we figured out on our own or accessed on our own. He gave it to us. He gave it to us. Not like Avraham who figured it out on his own. We inherited it. We were born at the top of the mountain. The fact that we have access to Torah and Mitzvahs means we have access to Hashem Himself. We have access to Hashem Himself. So whatever limitations we have because of embodiment, those limitations can be immediately transcended at will. So when we're trying to think about our own personal exodus experience, which will then cause us to feel loved, which will then cause us to feel loving. The subject here that we're meditating on is how we have the ability, Hashem gave us the ability, to be free from the problem of embodiment at will. Now you want to go back to the question, well, Hashem put us into the problem? Yeah, okay. So based in the, on this context, what, how would you answer your own question? Well, he wants us to tell mitzvahs is true, but it doesn't satisfy me. What? Okay, so let's break it down. Let's break it down. 
before the soul came down. It was very happy. Okay, it was sitting in the hot tub, in the, the spiritual hot tub, sipping piña colada, the spiritual piña colada. It was very comfortable. Basking in the rays of godliness. Nenem is what it's called. And it came down to embodiment, which was, I said, we can call it traumatizing. Yeah. Still traumatized. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So what's the point? We said there's a way to escape this problem. By doing Torah mitzvahs and connecting to Hashem. Right. So here's my question for you. Is the solution a net gain to the problem itself? Does the solution present a net gain beyond the initial problem? In other words, would we be better off without the problem? Don't give me the solution and don't give me the problem. Was it spiritual trust fund babies? Right. Right, because we did not earn it. Is this a hard concept? No. Yeah. It has to be a net gain, otherwise it makes no sense. Right. Well, let me offer you another approach, and let's compare and contrast. What if I told you that the purpose of taking your soul out of its pleasurable situation in heaven and putting it into embodiment was merely so that it could accrue reward so that when it returns to heaven, it'll have even more pleasure. That doesn't, that doesn't do anything for you. Okay. Okay. So this is not what this is saying. But hold on. I just want everyone to just follow here. So I'm in the middle of explaining something. This is not what this is saying. That is the general argument that is made. It's a popular argument. I'm not getting into the historical um, development of when that became popular. But generally, that is the, the promise, that embodiment is all worth it because when you'll go back to heaven, it'll be a better heaven. That's not what we're saying here. What we're saying here is that heaven was very pleasant, but it wasn't oneness with Hashem. It was godliness, but it wasn't God. You came down here to embodiment, which is very difficult, as all the sensitive people in this class understand, and I don't even have to elaborate. But the opportunity that's afforded to you is categorically different than anything the soul had pre-embodiment. It's a totally different 
experience. So ironically, embodiment, which is the problem, becomes a necessary component to achieving a relationship with Hashem that's not possible to achieve from a spiritual plane. So what we experience by being embodied is not an upgrade to our previous situation. It's not an upgrade. It's a completely different thing. It's not you were, you were sitting in the cheap seats in heaven, and now because of what you did during embodiment, you get to move down to the orchestra seats. No, it's a completely different thing. It's now you're on stage. <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking quickly, so I don't know if that's exactly the metaphor, but instead of being an observer, you become the art itself. You become one with Hashem. You're not observing Hashem, you're becoming one with Hashem. That's what it's talking about here. Right, it's incomparable to what you had before. Well, it, when you say better, that implies comparison. And this is, yeah, better, but not better like how many times better? Twice as good? Ten times as good? No, it's a different concept. It's oneness as opposed to uh, closeness. Do you believe that the soul had a choice in coming down and living the life that it's going to live? Well, we spoke about this in one of our modern classes, that the soul is complicit to the entire creation because the souls were present before the world. So we have some degree of agency that this entire thing exists. <coughs> Isn't this what we spoke about with the target that they need to come back to us? Is that what this is? Yeah, tzaddik. Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, the soul before it comes down as a tzaddik, then through embodiment becomes a balchuva. Yeah. But what we're describing here also is. Like the symbiosis. We're, we're describing that embodiment is not just a problem to overcome, embodiment is an opportunity. It's an opportunity if the opportunity that you get satisfies you. Well, no, it's an opportunity either way. Objectively speaking, it's an opportunity. How you feel about that opportunity, I guess, depends on what you value. But, you know, if you're saying, well, I don't value that opportunity. Okay, well, that's why we're learning this. We're learning this to become educated as to what is happening. And if you're not educated about what's happening, obviously there's no possible way to value it. But when you do understand what's happening, then maybe you will value it. Or possibly, maybe you will think about it for years and come to value it. It doesn't mean, see, I'm not selling used cars over here. When we're learning Tanya, it's not like I'm trying to close the deal and get you to buy this particular concept. We're learning. We're learning. It may take a long time for this to grow on you. I still don't understand you don't answer the question. Hashem is the one that decided that the process to become close to him is putting you in the garbage heap. Okay. So if it were arbitrary, meaning to say, look, I need to give you something really, really good but I don't want to just give it to you. 
I want to make, uh, I want to put you through a test and then, okay, so I'm going to harass you for this long until I decide that it's enough and then I'm going to give you the thing that I was ready to give you all along. And I could have given it to you to begin with, but I wanted to put you through something first. Yeah, that, that's crazy. So if that's how you, how you, if that's how you're thinking of it, it's like, you know, Hashem, how about this? Don't reward me and don't torture me before you reward me. Just skip the whole thing. But that's why I'm trying to explain to you that embodiment isn't the problem. Embodiment is a necessary component to this whole new level of relationship that wasn't possible from heaven. But anything is possible because Hashem created this system. Yeah, anything is possible, and you're right, Hashem. It, it, in theory, Hashem could have created an entirely different reality. Yeah. And logic would have been a different logic. You're right. And it's hard for us to even imagine what, what that would look like. So when we're talking logically, we are, you're right, we are speaking within certain axioms that already exist. And you could question, well, why these axioms? And I can answer you very, very on a basic level, which is there is a general concept in Hashem's world, which we seem to readily observe, that it is paid to play. And the question is, well, why is it set up that way? And the classic answer is, no bread of shame. Hashem didn't want us to have bread of shame. He didn't want us to take free handouts. Okay, but then the question is, well, why doesn't he want us to take free handouts? Well, because it would make us feel bad. Well, why does he make us have that feel bad? He could have made us not feel bad. He created our psyche. He could have made us very comfortable with free handouts, if that's the only problem. And the explanation is that ultimately the purpose of it all is that we should become one with him, we should resemble him, we should become God-like. And just as God is a creator, we need to be creators. And therefore, Hashem built it into our psyche. In fact, you may even say this is the most basic underlying drive that we have, is to be creators. And that's why we, it's a symptom that we experience bread of shame, that when we don't create something, when something's handed to us, it causes us shame. Why? Because that's a symptom of the fact that we were built to be creators. And we were built to be creators so that we would be like the creator, so that we could become one with him. We'd be driven to be one with him. So the, the, the question of, well, what's the point of embodiment? What's the net gain? The net gain is that we become more like him. What, like we said, the Torah and mitzvahs are his, are chachmas, chachmas What does it say? Ratzayne v'chachmas I don't remember. Did it say? What should it say first? I have to look now. Usually it's chachmas yeratzayne shalakadosh baruchu. So, we become the agents or the, the vehicles of his will and wisdom, or wisdom and will. Um, which means we become sort of like a manifestation of God himself. That's quite different than the soul's experience. The soul is an observer. The soul is 
an audience. But the, the, the embodied soul is a player. So, obviously what we experienced at Sinai could not have happened without Egypt. It was a process. It wasn't just a, let me torture you before I reward you. It was a process. It was a growth process that could not be circumvented. And so too, that the oneness with Hashem that we achieve on a daily basis by learning His Torah and doing His mitzvahs requires the problem of embodiment to have to be overcome. That's a very tricky question. You're asking, how do we get to a place where we desire the benefits of that oneness? I'm almost afraid to answer the question because it's like this. What if I had a great answer to that? I'm afraid to answer that. Let's say I had a great answer to that. But what am I afraid is going to happen if I give you a great answer to that question? You know what I'm afraid? What? No, I'm afraid that this will become a self-help program. Why do you think we're here? It's a manual for self-help. Well, I do know that most people become interested in spiritual seeking because they are looking for self-help. As opposed to what? But at a certain point, you're supposed to abandon your original motivation for coming here. Most people are not going to look... I'll put it this way. Not, okay, Here, here's the thing. Okay. There are different styles of learning, even learning chassidus. And, and, and some styles are inspiring, fun, and people go to them for, you know, it's a, it's, it's a pastime. It's like, you know, should I take a pottery class? Should I go play racquetball? Or should I go learn chassidus? So th- that's always going to exist, that type of Hasidic hobbyism, I'll call it. Then there's learning in a very serious way, which is what this class does, which is part, part of why I'm amazed at the, the fact that we have such a, a large and devoted core following in this, this room, which is amazing, because this, 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 this class does not have mass appeal. This is not the type of thing where, you know, you're going to get a thousand ladies on a Sunday to be like, you know, come here, we're going to, you know, laugh and hear a vort. And this is very serious. So who, who comes to something like this? Now, now this is getting very personal because I guess I'm speaking about all the, Okay, what, why does anybody come to a thing like this? So, I, no, I'm not revealing any secrets. I'm not betraying any trust here. But I just, I know who comes to these things. There's a certain level of dissatisfaction could even be prompted by some type of pain in your life or various multiple sources of pain in your life. <laughs> okay? I know that. So you come for the, you know, it's like nobody goes to their first AA meeting if their life didn't just fall apart. Nobody, nobody shows up to their first meeting, you know, 12-step meeting and be like, well, everything was great and I thought this would just take me to the next level. 
No, they walked in the door, they just had the worst day of their entire life. Their life just blew up in their face. So a person comes to a class like this, yeah, there's definitely some pain or at least some dissatisfaction. And anyone who thinks that they are the exception to this, that's wonderful that you're the exception, but I'm just telling you the general rule. I know, I know my customers, okay? I know my customers. You walk into a bakery, you were looking for bread. You walk into this kind of class, I understand. You are looking, to some, you are looking for some type of... Well, we are in the garbage heap. That is right. We are in the garbage Yes, yes, we are in the garbage heap. That is correct. Okay. So here's the thing. So if you give a person, if you, if, if, if you give a person an insight and say, okay, so here's the deal. You're going to start doing this stuff, and this is going to be so pleasurable. This is going to give you serenity, and you're going to be calm, and it's, it's, You'll actually, it's like a high. You'll actually experience a certain bliss from this. It's true, but it's playing into the initial reason why the animal soul, the animal soul finally schlepped your godly soul to this class. You understand, nobody comes to this class because of the godly soul, or you would have been here earlier. You come here when your animal soul says, dude, we got to go to this class. Like, li life is just not okay. And the godly soul's like, oh, finally. Now you say, now you, yeah, you're right. Life is not okay. Can we get to that class? I've been telling you that for years. Okay. But then the problem is you're supposed to graduate from that and realize that you're not here to fix your life. Yeah, maybe your life will get better if, if you're thinking about God and being selfless life will probably get better. At least subjectively it'll get better, it'll feel better. But it'll probably even objectively get better. Okay, but that's not supposed to be the motivation. After you hang around here for a few times, you start thinking, well, hold on a second, this is not about me. It's not about my pain points. This is about something much, much bigger than me. This is about Hashem, this is about the infinite. So that's why when you say, sell me on how this will be so rewarding for me, I'm almost like, well, I would, I would like to do it. Maybe I even could do it. I'm afraid to do it. I think we didn't answer the question because her question wasn't, tell me, I mean, it was how do I desire oneness with Hashem? But the spiritual pain is the desire. The fact that you're in spiritual pain is because you desire oneness with Hashem. Right, but that's not something I have to teach anybody how to do. No, but meaning it, it, it's not how do I desire, it just happens. Anyone in spiritual pain is because they, that's the way I am understanding. Yes. You're in spiritual pain because you're not one with Hashem. Yes. So it's not how do I desire it. It's right, which is not, there's no answer. Well, how do I do that? What do you mean how do you, you're doing it. You're doing it. And if you accomplish that. So, yes, this is what I'm afraid to elaborate on. Yes, it may so bring you some relief. But I don't want you to do it because of the relief. Because if it brings me relief, it means either I left this world and I accomplished and I'm done. No, that, I'm not worried about that. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna stay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it means that I'm so, I'm okay with this pain because it's not my pain. So let's deal with the pain that's has done. I'm saying I wouldn't want you to, how do I say this gently, I wouldn't want you to, so 
Okay, all right. I wouldn't want you to enter into a user relationship with Hashem where you realize the benefits and become focused on that and then it becomes transactional. Right. In other words, the serenity and the clarity that it brings you are supposed to be symptomatic. It's supposed to be an outgrowth. It should not become the motivation. So when you're saying, how do I get myself to care? I don't want that to be the thing that you care about because then that becomes the motive and the payoff. And then it's not about God anymore. Yeah, yes, it'll bring peace, but I don't want peace to be your objective. Yes, and and maybe the best answer, like the holiest, purest, cleanest answer is just do it and experience it and let's not try to sell it because once we're selling it, we're already not, we're already cheapening it. We're already talking about the benefits. So how do we experience? I want to experience. So how do we experience it? Okay, thank you very much. Now you're bringing us back. How do All right. You feel when you bench okay. So, okay, okay. So here's what we're trying to do. Let's let's go back to the. Let's go back to the meditation here. All right. He's saying we're not going to finish the text, even though it's, I think it's the shortest chapter in Tanya. What we're saying is this. All right, let's imagine like this. Everybody, get on your mats, sit on your yoga mats. Okay, people watching on YouTube think we have yoga mats on the floor. (laughs) We're actually sitting at a big table. It's very normal looking. If you would see a picture, you would think maybe it's even just like a, I don't know, we're having a town uh, city council meeting, voting about a new red light on the corner. It looks very normal. Right. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So let's think about this. Think about the embodiment. Think about the garbage heap analogy. We know that that is Mitzrayim. Our personal Mitzrayim is embodiment. Whatever that means to you, whether it's the fact that all of a sudden your soul was thrown into having to deal with money, or it's the fact that all of a sudden now you have to keep a house clean. Or it's the trauma of having all the physical stimuli bombarding you, which are distracting your soul from spiritual truths. Or it's the aches and the pains physically of just having a body and having to take care of the body and you know, bringing, bringing this, this car into the mechanic, you know, this car, this body, and having to maintain it, and hear a weird noise, and, you know, I'm saying, you, have, you have to go check it out, and what's going on here, like, it's time-consuming, it's energy-consuming, that's embodiment, okay? Or just the fact that, I mean, if you're in tune with such a thing, that your soul is now tethered to the rules of time and space. You can't be in all places at once. You can't, you can't be free the way you were before. You're, you're confined. So you think about embodiment, and that's your garbage heap. That's your Egypt. 
And then you think about the fact that not only is there a way out, but I'll, I'll, I'll put it like this, there's a way through it. It's not a way out like, oh, I can make a U-turn and go back to the way I was before I came to this embodiment. What a relief. And don't get me wrong, it would be a relief. The sages say it would definitely be more comfortable never to have been created. It would be a great relief to make a U-turn and just never have been embodied. But instead of going out of it, we're going to go through it. We're going to go through it. What do I mean we're going to go through it? We realize, hold on a second, this embodiment is the way to achieve oneness with God. Speaking with my physical mouth, words of Torah. That means open up a kitzah shochan I'm going to spell it out very clearly. And learn a halacha. Learn a law. What, what, what blessing do you make on oatmeal? Like literally basic mundane pedestrian facts of Jewish life. But this is Hashem's wisdom and will. <coughs> and when you speak these words with your physical mouth, you are, these, these are the kisses. And then you have the body, your limbs. You, are now, you, you find out what is it that, that God wants. What are the mitzvahs, the physical actions that Hashem wants. Now I get up, I pick up my body, I go do that. Now this is body to body. This is not just observing Hashem like the soul was doing in heaven. This is becoming one, intimately one with Hashem. So my problem, my, my embodiment all of a sudden becomes the path to a whole new level of intimacy with God. So think about that. Think about that. Because I'm trying to feel the love right now. He gave me that access? He gave me that access. You're going to say, oh, but he put me in the garbage heap. Only as a way to be able, because it was a necessary part of the process to give me the way to be able to kiss and hug him. So don't fixate on the garbage heap, uh, fixate on the fact that from the garbage heap I come to Sinai and we have the, the, the intimate union. So he gave me that access? He loves me so much that he gives me that access? That he wants me to have that access? That's the feeling now. I'm trying to connect with that feeling. He loves me that much that he wants me to have that type of access? And when that settles in, all of a sudden, it's automatic. It's a reflective mechanism. You'll start to feel a little bit of love for him. Now, what does it mean you start to feel a little bit of love for him? What it means is, and this is what I was talking about before, is I don't want your motivation here to be the relief, the self-help program that you could turn this all into. When you start to feel the love for Hashem, what it means is, you can get up in the morning and say, wow, I have so many opportunities to act lovingly toward Hashem. And that that should be meaningful. That that should be meaningful. How do you get that meaningful? This, this right here. This process. Think about the embodiment. Think about all the trouble that causes you. Think about how not only is there relief and escape from that, but that this is an unavoidable, indispensable part of a process to gain a whole new relationship with Hashem. Think about how much He loves you that He's giving you that type of access. 
and then you will feel loving back to him, and then it becomes a virtuous circle where because you feel loving toward him, you'll pursue more and more opportunities to connect to him and become one. Let's pretend it does nothing for you. Yeah. Okay, so why am I motivated to do it? It's a very primal thing. This is why he said that it's Shavalachol Nefesh in the previous chapter, that it's equal to all souls. It's a very primal thing. That's the beauty of this particular meditation. He says it's a mechanism, it's a button that you push. When you feel loved, you automatically feel loving. So the answer to the question, not the big philosophical question of why should I do Torah mitzvahs, the answer in the very specific context of this meditation, I can't help but feel motivated. I can't even stop it. It's, I'm being triggered in a good way to feel love because I'm feeling the love that's coming at me and it's just now bouncing back off of me toward him. So that's, if you want to answer the question of motivation, it's I'm overcome with a feeling, and when I say overcome, I don't want to imply that it's intense because the way meditations work is it's a trickle, it's a trickle, it's a trickle, and then it's a stream, and it takes years before it will become anything close to intense, but I'm becoming overcome with, and I'm using the term overcome, you know, relatively speaking. it's not something I'm forcing, it's not something I'm pursuing. Just by reflecting on the love coming toward me, I'm starting to feel my own love toward him overtaking me. That's it. That's the, the motivation. That's what's compelling me right now. That's what's compelling me. It's almost like I can't help it. It's organic. That's right. It, it's a process that happens whether you want it to or not. happens to be we're learning the background of it so we can willfully enter into that process. But even if you didn't know how the process works, it would still work. So we have to interact with all that that's causing the trauma that's the environment and the physical world. Yes, but I, I'm glad you bring that up. But when we interact with all that trauma, we're not delving into it. We're not getting more specifically into the nature of it, we're acknowledging it and embracing it. Right, so embracing what was... But we're not delving into it. In other words, I want to make it very clear. The meditation is not meditating on how awful the garbage heap is. Well, some people, you say it's a given, but some people might tell you, let's meditate on the garbage heap. What we're saying is the meditation begins in a garbage heap but it ends in the king's innermost chamber. So the garbage heap is part of the meditation, but it's just the beginning of the process. Do you have to be in the garbage heap? Yes, but, we're, but here's the good news, two things. We're all, in a, we're all on some level, we're on a garbage heap. And the second thing is, he says, the more of a garbage heap you're in, the more this will work. 